are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note that the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. Hello and welcome to Where Your Treasure Is. We are continuing our conversations about money season. So Simon, what are we going to talk about today? Today we're going to talk a bit about almost who is listening to us when we're speaking and the kind of places, the environments we find ourselves in when we have these money conversations. Now, if you can think back to the start of the last episode, I drew a very weak analogy about how conversations are like cakes and how you put your ingredients in to make a good cake and a good conversation. And that's what we want. We want good conversations at the end of the day. But something struck me. Sometimes our very best conversations are not actually planned at all. And sometimes we have the hardest conversations with the people who are closest to us, maybe those that we care about most. So I wondered, Bex, if we could have a conversation around the different layers, I suppose, of the financial relationships we have ourselves and wider society and everything in between and how it might change the conversations that we have. The first thing I thought of when you were speaking there was when you said we have the best conversations when we least expect it. I thought, surprise cake, brilliant. I would love that in my life. (laughs) But back to the point, as you were talking, I was almost picturing a bullseye type image where the kind of center image is me, who am I, what are my beliefs and values about money, what do I think? And then it almost works out into wider spheres. So maybe the first one is people who we have financial relationships with. So that could be our flatmates, that could be our spouse or our boyfriend or girlfriend or partner, that could be our peers. We may not have financial relationships with them, but we're kind of all equals there. Then we have another level out, where people maybe have authority over us. So that could be our parents, our employers, maybe our pastors or leaders, people who we submit to their leadership and who have influence over our money. And then we have a kind of wider sphere again, where it's maybe people in wider society and also conversations that maybe aren't so personal, but are maybe more about current affairs or politics or business. So where do we start with all of those different layers and how do we unpick them, Simon? I like the structure you've put in place there. So let's start in the middle. And we've kind of talked quite a lot about the the me. I want to have a, a plan and understanding of money. I want to have conversations that help me establish my values and my understanding and my knowledge. And we've definitely touched on some of those slightly wider financial relationships. I found it quite interesting the way you said there, Bex, about authority figures. And you touched on parents and employers. I think we all start in the situation where we are maybe under the authority of somebody with whom we have a financial relationship. My children, I give them pocket money. You know, I am the financial authority figure. And perhaps I therefore have some sway over how they spend their money. As an employer, however, I have a different authority relationship with my employees. I choose how much to give them. That's part of the conversation. But I don't choose what they spend it on. Different dynamic. But then, of course, we could be the other side of that relationship, couldn't we? We're the child and somebody else is the parent doling out money to us. Somebody else is the employer and we're having conversations with them. So in your experience, Bex, 
What are those early financial relationships that you have had to get to grips with? So parents is definitely a big one. And sometimes that can almost be the hardest one to unpick. Actually, what is the decision I am making versus what does this person think about that decision? Because fundamentally, you said in the first episode, what are your earliest memories of money? And a lot of that, for me at least, has been shaped by my parents. So sometimes there's a bit of untangling about actually am I almost just going along with what they think and am I choosing to wrestle that through myself and particularly then as I've got older there's been conversations at university of how much are we going to give you a month to help support you what does that look like as a child trying to be grateful for that and not take an entitled view of like oh of course you're going to give me money but appreciating the value of money in that. And then having left university, I then moved back into home. And so there's conversations there about, well, actually, how much financially am I going to contribute to the household? What does that look like in other ways? What does that look like in terms of household responsibilities? And so there's a lot of conversations there that are unpicked. And I think particularly in that relationship, sometimes it's harder to distinguish actually what do I think versus what is the kind of product of my environment. I think those relationships change over time. Clearly, as a child living under your parents' roof, there's one dynamic. As you grow older and you yourself are an independent adult and you're earning, that dynamic changes. And then it might change again in the future, perhaps as our parents just get older and more frail. Perhaps financially, they become dependent upon their children, especially if they're going into long-term care at some point in the future. The relationship can shift, it can flip, and now... Perhaps you're having to make decisions about your parents' financial situation. Those are quite challenging conversations to have. And I've found that from professional experience, it's really hard between generations to get the right balance of openness about finances. I don't tell my children how much money Vicky and I earn. I don't think they'd get an appreciation of it, nor how much of that money just has to be spent on the house and the bills and the food and the fuel and the clothes and what is left that we get to spend. So there's this openness or relational closedness about money conversations, aren't there? Yeah, and I think there's also an interesting point just in terms of generational expectations. I think it was since the 70s, correct me if I'm wrong, the standard of living has got better year after year after year and for the first time ever as we record in 2023 it seems as though actually our standard of living might go down and as somebody who has grown up having no awareness of that there's actually a personal challenge of what attitude am I bringing into that what entitlements do I have or what do I believe that I'm entitled to that I maybe haven't even realized and actually are those reasonable expectations Or, for instance, if I expect to be able to go on holiday every year, do I actually just have to adjust that expectation and acknowledge that the wider financial situation and the cost of things maybe means that's not a reality, whereas there are other generations who would have much more understanding and awareness of that than perhaps my own? I think generationally it is really interesting. Perhaps in my parents' generation, there was an expectation of a job for life. You would get your degree or do your apprenticeship, you'd enter the workplace and and you would retire 
35, 40, 45 years later with a big pension to support you for the rest of your short life because you've been worked so hard, potentially. I think the generation that my children are growing up in have very different expectations of the world. There's a much greater awareness of things like ethics, of the environment, of fair trade. It's not all about, can I make as much money as possible and live life to the full? There is a much greater awareness of, well, what is my role in society? How do I spend my money such as they have it? They're not quite old enough yet, but they're getting close. And maybe later in this conversation, we'll touch on our role in those societal issues. So let's come back to this idea of authority dynamics in our money relationships. How might you, Bex, have conversations with your peers, those with whom you have either financial relationships or at least are in similar situations to you about money? I think over time, I've developed almost a boldness as I've grown closer to these people. And actually, as you begin to kind of journey together and share all sorts of aspects of your life, it often feels as though money naturally comes into that. And I think as well, coming from the position of a single person, I also have an intentionality of making sure there are other people speaking into my life and actually other people in different situations so that I'm not just living in my own kind of echo chamber. So for instance, I can think of a married couple who I'm really good friends with and we would talk about all sorts of things. But one of the things that we just naturally talk about is money. And so for instance, I know that they have a rule in their relationship where if they're going to spend £100 or more on an item, they ask the other person to sign off on that. And that's just kind of a set practice that they do. And sometimes it's almost a case of inviting other accountability into that as well. So for instance, I purchased a new laptop recently as part of a work expense. But within that, I was almost inviting people in and saying, hey, this is an investment in my business. But also, you know, what is a reasonable amount to pay for a laptop? Would spending X amount, like say £10,000 be way too extravagant or is that a good investment in my business? Is £500 too cheap and actually I'll end up replacing it quite quickly and kind of negotiating that with various people as well as looking into kind of all the expert advice on that kind of thing and finding a middle ground. And I know from your experience, Bex, that running your own business isn't the only place where you have some financial responsibility. You also have that through through church and through a ministry there. How is that different running a corporate budget, shall we say, rather than just running your own budget? It's very different when it's not your money. And I think the thing for me whenever I'm making a financial decision is I am hyper aware that actually people have sacrificed their own salary to allow us to run this ministry and so I want to be extra extra wise about how that money is spent and within that as well it's also weighing up your own values for the ministry so I work with teenagers and one of the things you learn pretty quickly is that they love food and actually for them if you buy them a Domino's pizza that can communicate real value of like hey we love you we care for you let's all come and have pizza and let's have a chat And so sometimes there's also situations where you're actually tossing up, this might look like a lot of money to spend on snacks, but actually we know that shows value. 
We know that that makes people feel at home. We know that opens up conversations. And so we are going to continue to set a portion of money on food because we believe that creates community. So there's all sorts of things to consider in that and ultimately knowing that you are accountable to a number of people and that you're going to have to explain those decisions. And sometimes people actually may not grant you the authority to make those decisions because there's a greater priority somewhere else. There are so many directions I could go from that. One of the interesting parallels that come to mind is I also sometimes buy pizza, but this time for my work colleagues, we'll have a a business lunch meeting. And for some of them, pizza is excellent. You know, they love buying pizza, especially with company money. They think it's brilliant. For others, actually, a salad would be a much better purchase. It isn't just about spending the money. It's about what it's being spent on. And then you have a little debate, which I came across in terms of, What does the taxman think about this? Is it appropriate for the business to spend money on pizzas for its staff? Is it appropriate for a charity like a church to spend money on pizzas for its youth? And sometimes we find ourselves walking this line of what we know would be a good thing to spend money on, but a tension with what do other people think, whether it's the tax authorities whether it's other people in the business, in the ministry, in the church, in the street that we live in. You buy a car, people see it. What do they think about that? It's quite an emotive thing that we have to decide. Where else in life, Bex, do you have these money conversations and what kind of challenges do they bring to you? And just to jump back on that point of other people are going to make judgments on how you spend that money, I think that's why it's so important that you start in that middle circle and you work out what do I think, what matters most to me, what am I pursuing, or in different contexts, you know, collectively deciding that, so that when those questions come, you can actually explain the heart behind that, or you know that even if someone is judging you, actually you're happy with the decision you've made, and that's okay, and that's okay if other people have different opinions. To circle back to your actual question, which is what other context do I have these money conversations in? Well, I think sometimes, and you touched on this at the start, they can come up in the most unexpected places. You could be sitting in the pub with friends and suddenly the conversation turns to money, perhaps because of what's happening in wider society and what's on the news, or perhaps actually increasingly at the moment, a almost perfect stranger can start a conversation that has financial implications. And so I'm wondering how we get the balance in that. How do we talk about what we think without preaching? Should we really be welcoming those conversations? Should we be engaging in them? What does that look like? What I think is interesting is that people are interested in what we think. And What we think about money is probably a topic that many people don't really venture into. They're more likely to talk about the weather or the football or whatever's happening on TV at the moment, as opposed to financial matters beyond, oh, the economy, isn't it shocking? Or, oh, can't we do something with our government? Or can we fix the NHS? The big issues that it seems nobody can actually do anything about, they're okay to talk about. But as soon as you get to real issues that maybe impact people's lives, they're interested, but are they willing to share? I think that's where we have a really interesting role to play as Christians. Like you say, if we can begin to understand and develop our own beliefs and values around money, 
then when the opportunity arises, we're able to share, hopefully quite humbly and openly, what we believe about money and what we do with our money, almost in an evangelistic way. Let me tell you about that. Actually, when it comes to my budgeting, the first thing I do is I like to give money to the church that I'm part of. That's my priority. In my business, for example, I use the opportunity to say to peers in business, to my suppliers, to my clients in stewardship wealth, the first thing we do is we give money away to charity. And that opens a door. People can either say, that's really interesting, tell me more, or they can choose to shut that door. Okay, but what about my question, which is to do with tax or is to do with credit cards, whatever it happens to be. In that moment, we have a God-given opportunity to have a conversation, which just might plant a seed in somebody's mind, whether it's about faith or whether it's about their own attitude to money. And as you've said, people have different attitudes to money. We shouldn't assume that we are right. But if we can have confidence that we have thought through our opinions, great. If we haven't thought through our opinions, what better opportunity than to say, you know what? I'm not entirely sure. Let me tell you what I think I think, and it might change as I talk. But then you've got a chance to hear from them too. And there's a humility in that as well, of admitting that we don't know it all and that that's okay. And it strikes me as you were speaking that actually it's really important that our actions are consistent with our words in order to be salt and light in those situations and perhaps to show people that there is a different way to managing money from the way they have always managed their money. So I'm thinking about my own business and it's really important to me that if I am outsourcing something or using another supplier for something that I pay them not just on time but early and as soon as I possibly can in order to bless them, to bless their business and to help their cash flow. And I had a really interesting moment where I was working with a Christian charity And they are the fastest ever client at paying invoices. Literally, we'd send it one day and on the same day, the money would arrive. And to me, that just spoke volumes about who they are, the way they conduct themselves. And for all we know, our actions could then be conversation starters. Absolutely. They're being a witness into their community around them that money isn't a tool that they can keep to themselves and try and make a bit of interest on at the cost of the supplier. But instead, they're paying their bills quickly because they feel that's the honoring thing to do. Now, we've kind of moved into this sphere of wider than just self and family. And we can go even further. Sometimes we find ourselves in positions where our voice can have a wider impact. And I'm thinking now in my own experience, it might be the parent council for school. It might be the community council. It might be the village hall that you help run. It might be a community fun day, a place where you get together with other people and perhaps run a club or a society or an organization which needs money to run. And if you're a voice in that place, you're just starting to influence people by the way you talk about money, make decisions about money, and think that money should be used. And I think that also brings a conversation to our spending habits as well. And what does the way we spend our money say about our priorities? So one thing that I've really wrestled with over the years and still continue to wrestle with is actually 
what is the best way to buy clothes because ultimately I don't want to support fast fashion I don't want to give money ultimately to companies who don't treat their employees well or who don't make clothes in a sustainable way and at the same time it's really hard to find clothes that are reasonably priced or that I actually like and so how do you live with that kind of tension and I think for me Some of the answer to that has been shopping secondhand because at least you're not passing the money on directly to that company. But it's still not perfect and it's still a tension in my life. And sometimes just having that conversation wider, whether that's with Christians or non-Christians, is just a really great starting point to chat about money. And what an interesting connection then between the personal and the societal. And I'm thinking now about charity shops, for example. For a while, shopping in a charity shop was seen with a certain stigma. You can't afford to buy new clothes. You have to shop there. Whereas now, shopping in a charity shop could be a value statement. I can afford to, but I prefer to actually raise money for a charity by buying from a random selection of things what I can get my hands on. But also in my personal life, I choose maybe to pass things on to charity shops so they can be sold and turned into a societal good. I think we have so many opportunities today to make choices which can be either just lived out personally, shared with our friends and our peers and our colleagues and our family, or pronounced publicly, I'm going to choose to live my life this way for the good of a certain group of people, a certain need, the environment. As Christians, we believe that we should be stewards of the environment and not just our own lives and our own money. What better way of living that out than showing people we're not prepared to follow the crowd. We're going to do things counterculturally. And so before we wrap this conversation up, I feel like we need to at least visit the elephant in the room, which is politics. And so I'm wondering how we interact in those conversations. We ourselves may hold strong political views, while the other people in the conversation may hold the opposite views equally strongly. And so actually, perhaps in that conversation, we're not going to convince each other that we're right and they're wrong. But how do we have productive conversations where we can acknowledge the other person's opinion while still staying true to our own personal beliefs? What a challenging topic to end on, Bex. I think in the world of politics, as in the world of business, it's a place where Christians have potentially a unique role to play. We have a God who cares so much about what is going on in this world, cares about every individual in it. God would be a great politician. I would vote for Jesus given the chance to be prime minister. We don't have that chance. We are therefore using the system that we're part of, and we're part of a good political system as far as I can tell compared to all the alternatives available to us. But we do have a role to play and that role might be to vote at least, to find out what your local councillors, your local members of parliament are campaigning for and find out if you can believe in them. Is there a place where you can support a good initiative or stand against a poor initiative in your own opinion without falling out with people who disagree with you? Because I don't know if I'm politically astute enough to know exactly the right thing to do every time. But I do have a place. I do have a role. And so I think my voice should be heard. 
not because it's better than anybody else's, but because it's the one that God has given me. And I should be thinking, God, how would you have me respond in this situation? There are things he puts on my heart and I respond. And to be honest, there are things he doesn't put on my heart and I'm really a bit ambivalent about them. So I'm going to find out, God, where is my place in this society, in business, in politics? And I will do my part, but I will definitely pray for those who are doing a different part that isn't mine to play. Does that answer the question, Bex? I think it does. And I'm going to take us into land before I start a whole spin-off podcast with you about politics and faith instead. But that is a great starting point and lots and lots to chew on there. So I think from this conversation that we've had today, I can draw out three main principles or points to reflect on. So the first one would be know your opinion, know what you think, know what you're for, know what God has called you to be. The second one is that your opinion and your voice matters, that it has power and that it can influence people around you, but also wider society. And the third one is that we have the opportunity to tell others what we think and that particularly in a Christian context, actually we have the opportunity to be light and hope and to show people that there is a different way. Simon, is there anything you want to add or dispute in that summary? Not at all, Bex. We've got so much more we're going to cover in coming weeks. Let's wrap it up for today. But if you have any questions that you want to pose to us, Perhaps you have strong political opinions you'd like to have ignored because this is not a politics podcast. Then please feel free to send them by email to where your treasure is at freerangepodcasting.co.uk or you can send us a message on Instagram at where your treasure is podcast. And we look forward to hearing all of your thoughts and comments. Until next time, then, it is goodbye from me. And it's bye from me, unless you want to pitch a politics and faith podcast to me, in which case I'll take it under careful consideration. See you next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go.